It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. As always, it's brought to you by our friend Ryan Kiefer at First Community Mortgage. Bengals lose 32-13 at the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football. It extends an NFL record streak of primetime road losses to 13 in a row. Extend the Bengals streak of Monday Night Football losses to nine in a row, dating back to their last win in 1990. It drops Joe Burrow to 0-4 against the Browns. And Rick, that just barely scratches the surface of what we need to unpack from this loss, from the performance on both sides of the ball to the injuries, including potentially a really devastating one for Chidobia Wuzie that may make the Bengals now have to go find somebody tomorrow by the trade deadline. Skinny, that felt like peak Marvin Lewis era Bengals in prime time. <laughs> and I thought we were past that. That's that the thing. I, I thought this team had, had really kind of become a team that relished these big games and the primetime lights. And that just wasn't the case at all here in this Monday night football game. That was about as bad as this team can play. I think it was, it was ugly. Yeah. In so many ways, uh, you know, I don't want to, I guess the lazy narrative would be, and it's certainly worth a narrative of did the offense miss Jamar chase that much, or was it just a bad performance um, against a defense that looked like it totally confused Joe Burrow and and the offensive line and the offense as a whole? Um, Was it a case of, you know, you, you, you lose out on that, that field goal that could have made it eight to three and probably should have made that the score at halftime. And instead they get a field goal. It's 11, nothing and boom, come out and get a touchdown drive and you're done. I mean, was that just the last gut punch there? I mean, there, there was just so much from that game to unfold. Yeah, let, let, let's rank them. I mean, I guess okay, I don't know, pa- parties is the right word for it, but for lack of better term, things, if I was making a pie chart and trying to, to rank them and assign percentages or whatever, I think first for me would be offensive line. I would put most of the blame on the offensive line. For the first time in a few games, I thought they were getting absolutely shredded in one-on-one matchups and just getting dominated to where it wasn't about Joe Burrow hanging on too long. It wasn't about uh, play calling or slow developing plays or anything like that. It was about you're giving your offense no chance when you're getting beat the way Jonah Williams was getting beat at times and Lyle Collins got beat at times and then Joe Mixon just really struggling to pick up and help it all. So I would start with the offensive line first and foremost for me. Yeah, it's probably fair. Uh, you know, Jonah Williams, this was not a very good game. Um, you know, that the early sack by Miles Garrett, I thought was a superhuman move by Miles, although you can argue he had uh, Samaj AP right on the other side to chip, so you can't get beat to the inside because your help is to your outside. But that was still a hell of a move by Miles Garrett. But that wasn't the only move of the night, and that wasn't the only time Jonah got beat. Um, he wasn't very good. Um, the line looked like it had a hard time picking some things up as, as well. I, I do think there was something to the whole – this kind of felt like the Baltimore game in Joe Burrow's rookie year where they blitzed him into submission. He was looking for hot routes. Hot routes weren't there. And by the time he could come off to somebody else, it was over. It, it kind of felt like that. And that's where I go back to, was that because you don't have Jamar Chase to to, to, to spread the field and take the top off the defense? You know, I, 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 I think that's part of it too. And I guess, well, I guess we'll rank that in that mix as number two, maybe. Yeah, I would, I would have number two as injuries. And I think Jamar Chase first and foremost being chief among those, but I mean, the, the Hendrickson injury played a factor. He was in and out throughout the game was pretty ineffective when he was on the field. Then the Awuzie injury, once it happened, the the defense was really a disaster. After disaster. That. It really was. I mean, Trey Flowers was horrendous. Gave up that long crossing route to Amari Cooper. That one at the goal line was just simply 
that was a mismatch beyond mismatches. And then he got hurt to the point where he had to put Dax Hill in the game at corner. Um, you know, they, then he gets beat on a deep ball. Although we could also argue that that was Von Bell who was supposed to come over and help again. This is two straight games. Now Von has kind of been late coming over to help while he's trying to disguise some, some coverage stuff. And so, you know, I, I think there's a lot there to, 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 to look at, but I think you're right. I mean, when Awuzie went out, it looked like it was almost such a gut punch to the defense. I don't want to say they quit. I get that a lot. It looked like they've quit. I don't, if you quit in the NFL, you will, you will be embarrassed on tape A and, and B, you'll get hurt. I don't want to say quit, but it seemed like it just sapped the life out of that entire unit. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think they quit, but I think what you have going on is one, you, you do have a, a mental letdown and you lose some momentum or emotion for lack of a better term. And then on the front line, you're not getting any pressure because Hendrickson isn't in there for the most part. And when he was, Hubbard, like I said, Hubbard, he's and not then Hubbard there. gets hurt and they're going to, they got to x-ray his hand after the game today. Right. And then on the back end, you're just getting beat. You're flat out getting beat. I mean, Amari Cooper was doing whatever he wanted against Trey Flowers for the most part, but other guys at other times. And, you know, I think fans have talked about wanting to see Dax Hill and Cam Taylor Britt a little bit, but I don't think anybody wanted to see both of those guys and Trey Flowers all in there at the same time, like we saw in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Um, you know, thank goodness that Amari Cooper tried to be passer for one play because that, that at least helped the Bengals out with him throwing an interception. Yeah, well, and, and credit to Lou Anarumo, too, right there before the end of the first half when it could have been a disaster and and been a two-touchdown game right before the, yeah, I think maybe four or five minutes left maybe uh, or so in the second yeah, quarter. Yeah, with, with the all-out blitz and, and they they forced the fumble. Yeah, that was that was a big play and and getting aggressive at the right time. I thought that was a lift when the team really needed it to keep them in the game. Now, they ended up still obviously having a, a pretty big hole there at halftime and then uh, nothing went right in the second half either for them. But at the time, it was a big play. But uh, after injury, Skinny, I would go third was t- the turnovers. I mean, one of them was just kind of a bad luck play. Yeah. Then the other one was Joe Mixon not being able to to help and, and hold his block at all. Again. Again, it's been a huge problem. I mean, on the Joe Mixon conversation, Skinny, I think we have to officially downgrade him. Well, okay, so I was going to wait till later in the podcast to get to that, but you brought it up now, so it is worth talking about. Um, I, I think they've got a problem there now because it's not like he's tearing it up on the ground, not through all of his own fault, obviously. I mean, the, the run blocking has not been great for the most part this year. Um, he's fine catching it on the swing passes, and, and you're trying to get him in space and all those things, but he's not making many people miss. Um, he's a liability in pass blocking. And so at that point of the game, you know, do you need to start, I don't want to say limiting him a ton, but does he need to be the 85% back? Or do you need to mix more Samaj AP, right? And honestly, I'll give you this. I mean, maybe Chris Evans can't do anything than run a wheel route or run a, run a go route down the sidelines, but that was a hell of a catch. And that was really, I think, the only rep I remember him having. Yeah, I think he got back in maybe in the late in the third quarter or early fourth quarter at some point. But basically, he made that 26 yard catch on third and five early in the game and then didn't get back on the field, which I I just I I do not understand. I I don't understand this role. Yeah, the only thing I can I can think, Rick, and I I, I don't know this because we only get a chance to watch the portion of practice where they're they're basically just doing individual drills. I mean, honestly, maybe the kid's just a horrendous route runner that that's literally the only thing he can do is line up wide. As soon as I saw the coverage, I'm like, boy. Joe, you can go there. You got single coverage. And by golly, if he didn't, 
Um, and maybe that's the only route Chris Evans can run. I, I don't want to say that because I don't know that either. And that's not fair to Chris Evans, but there's something keeping the kid off the field. Well, and here's the thing. Doesn't there have to be some level of respect and trust from Joe Burrow in him to be in a third and five situation, throwing a 26 yard pass to him in one-on-one coverage where he didn't really have a step on the guy. He was throwing a back shoulder pass and letting him make a play on it. And he lo and and behold did. did. Yeah, no, I I agree with you on that. But again, I, you know, I I just don't get that. It does. And it'd be different if, okay, maybe he can't pick up the blitz or whatever, but Joe Mixon isn't doing that either. So I, I do, the, the thing with Joe Mixon is we can no longer talk about him as a big weapon in the Bengals backfield. He's clearly fair. not the same guy anymore. So the, the conversation about him has to change. It can't be like, well, he's heads and shoulders above these other guys in terms of his talent as a runner. So no, he's, he's, he's heads and shoulders in terms of what he's getting paid. That's why you got to play him. And, and, you know, I mean, I guess there's something to that. But at this point, it, it's no longer they've got the all pro or uh, pro bowl Joe Mixon in their backfield that they did last year. No, you're right. He has overnight just lost all of his power seemingly until, until he shows us otherwise. I think that's where we have to, to be on that. And they have to start treating it a little bit differently in terms of how many snaps he's getting, I think. Yeah. And I think these are, these are questions that they will probably have to mull and will mull over the bye week um, I don't want to soft shoe this because we still got more to talk about here. But, you know, if, if you beat Carolina, you're five and four. You're exactly where you were at the bye week. Remember, they lost an ugly game to the Browns before the bye week last year at 41-16. I will tell you how this year is different in a little bit where it concerns the division in Baltimore. But, you know, you get the Carolina win. The game, the sky isn't completely falling. But I do think you have to take some hard look at people like Joe Mixon and his reps, like Kevin Huber and whether or not it's time to give Drew Crispin some, some punts. I mentioned, I think, on our – is either our weekly podcast or might have been the last Bengals recap podcast that, that before the Falcons game last week, maybe I didn't, but before that Falcons game last week, Rick, they brought Drew Chrisman out in full uniform, like pads and helmet and everything and had him punt. And it almost felt like that was a little bit of a trial run to see. Like, that's how you do with, you know, in the stadium with some wind, uh, full uniform, all the things, the trappings of what a semi game would feel like for you. And let's see how you do. And it just feels like the way Kevin Huber's going right now, there may be a change in the guard at the bye week at that position too. I think a lot of people are starting to call for that at this point. And it's, you know, everyone loves Kevin Huber. No one wants it to get to this, but no, it, we, we've, it's becoming a, a big enough sample size that I think it's pretty clearly the end for him. So, yeah, the question is when, I mean, do you do it this week? I mean, a short week. I, I don't know. I just don't think it's that urgent. There's, there's other more pressing issues at hand. I think that's definitely something that can wait for the bye week in my opinion. All right, Rick, I'll, I'll let you ask a couple more questions because I've got one for you that somebody posed to me on Twitter. Unless you want me to bring it up now. I, I'm not sure I agree with it, but I thought it was an interesting take. Well, just, just wrapping up what we started with the, uh, you know, if you're where you're placing the blame, I think, you know, we said offensive line first injury, second turnovers, third for me, the last one that I would just throw out there. I think a lot of people may have this higher, but I would say the, the coaching staff is fourth, sure. but only from the standpoint that, the guys just didn't look ready at all. And I no, hate they're, they're culpable. Yeah. I think they're completely culpable in this. Yeah. Because I, I, I thought that, listen, you're, you're talking about one guy and I know he's a, he's a web and, and I crunched numbers on this for a column I did this week in, in, in the 17 wins that Jamar chase has played, Rick, the, the 10 regular season wins last year, the three playoff wins last year and the four regular season games, literally a full season. He caught 98 balls for 1600 yards and, and 14 touchdowns. In, in seven losses he played in over that span, or excuse me, in 10 losses he played in over that span, he caught about the same number of balls, about five balls per game, um, 
51, 51 for like 600 yards, though, almost 400 yards, you know, almost 40 yards, a game, 40 yards a game less on average and only five touchdowns. So you can see that when he does big things, they win football games. That's been obvious. And right. I, I think we knew he was going to have a big impact, but, but not but, having him on the field. But that said, you still have 2000 yard receivers that are trending towards a thousand yards. You have a very capable former first round pick at tight end. You have supposedly a pro bowl running back. You have a franchise level top tier quarterback. You can't look like that without one player. And I'm sorry. And that does fall on the coaching staff at that point. Yeah. And I hate when people say oh, that that team wasn't ready to play anytime a team loses. But I think when you have an all encompassing butt kicking in primetime like that, some of it has to fall on the coaching staff to some extent. Agreed. And call it whatever you want. I'm not sure what cliche best uh, encompasses it all, but I, I think you have to blame them to some some extent, even yeah, though I, Chase was out. I have to wonder. I wish I would ask Zach this Saturday when we, we sat down with him and shame on me for not asking. Um I wonder, listen, initially when we talked to Zach on, man, I lose track of my days because it was such a crazy week on Monday, I guess it was coming off the Sunday game, right? Then we we didn't, we weren't there again until Thursday. He was asked about Jamar Chase and he said, sore day today. Well, then comes Thursday. I think it was actually Thursday at the press conference. He said, sore day today. Then comes word later in the day, four to six weeks, et cetera. You know, I wonder if, if at that point, they knew he was hurt a, a little. They weren't completely sure. And suddenly the game plan that you spent two days drawing up is out the window because of that guy. And you're having to scrap some things and retool some things. I'm not looking for, I'm not trying to make an excuse. I'm, I promise you that's not it. But I really wonder if they were far enough along that it was almost like, oh God, now we got to go back to a little bit of the drawing board with some other stuff. And we've, we've shown guys this and shown guys that. And now we don't have Jamar. Yeah, I, I think you got to be good enough to. I agree to get with through you. that, though, at, at this level, the Bengals offense in the first half, 29 plays, only 100 yards. Yeah. You had the bad luck interception. You had the strip thanks to Joe Mixon's terrible pass blocking. You had a big drop by Mike Williams. Yeah, so Mike, Mike Thomas, but yes, or, or, yeah, I, wish, I wish it was Mike Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Williams would be a help. Mike Thomas, excuse me. Where do you place the blame for the offensive struggles in the first half? Mostly skinny. Are they just not talented enough without chases? We've been talking about, is it not finding a way to scheme receivers open? Was burrow missing guys at times? I, I, I think it's a lot of the, everything we just talked about. It's, it was the lack of the preparation. They talked about how, how they threw some looks at them that they didn't, didn't uh, anticipate. Um, some of those, certainly the offensive line, um, you know, I, some of it was some of it was probably Joe. Um, some of it was it was just a little bit of everything. But that can't be an excuse when you have. A, listen, Tom Brady threw to a bunch of schlubs for a bunch of years, right? You, you just it's next man up. And yes, I know Mike Thomas dropped the ball. Okay, fine. You know, then put Trent Taylor in the slot and put Tyler Boyd on the outside. Let's go with that group. I honestly, I, I, I like that group better than I like Mike Thomas being on the outside. Or honestly, I like the potential two back. Go to 22 personnel with Tyler Boyd, T. T Higgins, and Chris Evans in there as a secondary back that you can split out or you can put side by side in tandem. I think you have to really look in the next few weeks of doing a lot of different things than what you thought you could do, which was plug and play. And, and maybe I'll give you this week that you thought you could plug and play. But now moving forward, maybe you can't plug and play. Maybe it has to be you got to mix up your personnel groupings better. You said you had something you wanted to get to that you were asked on social media. Yeah, and I'm not sure I agree with it. And usually I, I slough this stuff off as just a hot take reaction. And it probably is. But it was interesting. 
And so the trade deadline I mentioned tomorrow, and I had sent a tweet out that with Wuzier's injury, where the Bengals are not big traders at the deadlines, you know, maybe they have to be um, for a cornerback. And somebody shot back to me and said, well, maybe they need to be sellers, and it's time to look at guys who may not be back here next year, like a Joe Mixon, like a Jesse Bates, and see what you can get for those guys. And I thought, that's probably not right, and it probably isn't, because listen, while I think the, the division has become very almost impossible to win at this stage of the game. Baltimore does not play. Do you know that after tonight, this will change, but after tonight, their final nine games of their season are against teams, and this includes the Bengals. None of them have a winning record. The Bengals still have to play the Chiefs, and they still have to play the Bills, and they still have to go on the road to Tampa, no matter how bad they might be, and they still have to go to play New England at New England, and they still have to play Cleveland again, and they still have to go to Tennessee, and they still have to, I mean, they, their schedule's a beast. We can agree with that. So right now you're looking at probably wild card. And the one good thing I would say silver lining wild card is this. You have tiebreaker wins over the Jets and Dolphins when it comes to the wild card. And you think about that now, that might be extraordinarily important when all is said and done. But would you agree that the Bengals maybe look to, to do what the, the tweeter suggested? Or do you think that's so preposterous that you wouldn't have even asked the question like, like I'm asking it now? And I'm not talking about like like fire sale sellers, but certain guys. This is a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, and they were in a very similar situation Agreed. to where they are right now Agreed. at the same time. You have Joe Burrow at quarterback still. You have Jamar Chase, who will be back from injury at some point. If you have those two guys and you're still in the hunt, you always have a chance. Agreed. I would not waste a single year that you have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on the same team. So no, I would not at all give away a year in which you are still very much alive. And it, look, they missed an opportunity here to take a step forward in the AFC North, really make this momentum that it looked like they were building a thing, bury the Browns and have everyone talk nicely about them. But at the end of the day, it does in terms of like where they're at in the wild card standings, the AFC North standings. It, this doesn't change a whole lot. We talked about over the stretch of the the six games before they get to that really difficult stretch of six games to end the year. They needed to be about four and two, and they're two and one, and they're two and one right now with a very good chance against a bad team to go three and one. No matter how banged up you are, right? So while this game was awful. Things like this happen in the NFL sometime and in sports in general. Sometimes it's just not your night. Things go wrong. And as soon as the first quarter was over, I was already sitting there going, it's just going to be one of those nights. I mean, the way that interception happened, it was it was just an ugly start and nothing was really going the Bengals way. Yeah, except for it, it did feel like after the Amari Cooper interceptions, that the Browns were trying to brown themselves, did it not? Yeah, well, but both teams were were ugly, and it's like you never know. You might have a chance to still pull it out, but it, it was definitely one of those games where it just felt like nothing was going right it, it, from an offensive perspective, I should say. And that ended up being the case throughout the game. They just never got on track, and I, I can live with that. The, the, the thing I was really more focused on was the injuries that were piling up by the end of the game and what that meant long term, because at a certain point, you just throw the game out and say it, it's, it's a loss regardless of what it is. I mean, don't forget – this team, first week of November last year, lost 41 to 16 to the Browns no, at Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah, that was my point. I mean, if you, if you look, they had an ugly loss like this where you thought, uh oh, this team stinks. And uh, they kind of rallied the troops after the bye week. Yeah, they won six of their next eight after the bye week. So uh, th this doesn't end anything or change anything for the Bengals. I don't think it makes them 
sellers and uh, football is just different from major league baseball too you don't become sellers really yeah, as much the, as and the question and the question wasn't posed of like being major sellers but they were pointing out a couple of people mixon and bates especially uh, mixon would be one i think most people would be fine with right now but that's more of a how much interest is there going to be no, in a guy right, like joe right. mixon that's and right. no, you're really right. you're really looking to move on from him not because y- you feel like you're out of it but because you feel like he's not giving you anything no, and right. maybe you could upgrade yeah. All right, so so how desperate, in your opinion, do they need to be to go find a corner? Or do you figure, all right, Eli Apple was out this game with a hammy. He was only doubtful. He wasn't out, but they did end up putting him on the inactive list, which would usually tend for me to say, all right, he'll probably be back for this next game. Um, you can muddle through with what you've got. I mean, even if Trey Flowers is out with a hammy as well, you know, Jalen Davis is your fourth corner. Again, this is against Carolina, not the most dynamic passing attack uh, with 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 PJ Walker as the quarterback, and it gives you more reps for Cam Taylor Britt on the outside too. Or do you have to say, listen, if this thing's devastating enough, and it sounds like it. I mean, I I heard Michael Thomas after the game, the safety, the veteran safety, who's one of the team captains, interviewed by Dave Lapham in the locker room. I mean, dude was crying. I mean, it it, it seems like they're all devastated by this Cheeto injury, and and the way Zach Taylor phrased it, where it's not great, that would seem to me like this is pretty much season ending. How much do you have to go out and really? make a play for a cornerback, even if it costs you some draft capital, where this team has primarily, over the last few years, they've done it in free agency, but you're not going to do it in free agency now because of the contracts that are coming up. So really, you're going to have to build the next handful of years through the draft in order to pay Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and potentially T. Higgins. How much do they have to maybe look and say, all right, you know what, we still have to, have, we feel like we're a playoff team. We can't go down swinging with, with a cornerback group that doesn't have a, a top flight player. We have to go make a play for that guy, whoever that is. Well, I think you have to go make a play for one, a guy with some experience, a veteran body in that locker room, because right now you're going to be relying on some young guys. So it'd be nice to have another veteran presence in there. But two, uh, the other thing is just a sheer lack of numbers you've got to have another body. The problem that I see with this is that Lou Anarumo's system seems like it has really depended on communication, consistency, Consistency, keeping the same core group of guys together. So they know where each other are going to be and they can change on a dime and, and from drive to drive, like we've talked about, make those adjustments and say, okay, now we're going to do this and you take that and I'll take this and, and we'll pass this off. If you bring a new guy into the mix, how much can he pick that yeah. up and how much on the same page and, and how cohesive will all that be? I don't know if it'll work the same way. So that would concern me. And maybe you'll end up being better off with the guys that are already in the locker room just because they're more familiar with the system and, and with the guys that are playing it. But either way, I think you still at least need another body just for the first this year numbers. Yeah. And let's not forget, they did get Trey Flowers, uh, not in a trade, but they picked him up, you know, last season, mid season. He became a nice little weapon for him in specialized circumstances. He showed tonight that he is not a true quality outside cornerback, but they did find a, a piece. I think you saw tonight Cam Taylor or other Dax Hill is not a corner. They had to throw him in there at corner. That, that I felt bad for the kid, but I think that communication portion of it, right? Von Bell, I think, screwed up that coverage. I'd have to hear it out of the coach's mouth or Von's mouth, but it sure seemed like it. I think Troy Aikman's pretty good at reading what guys are supposed to do, and I thought he did a good job on that play of diagnosing it. And there's Dax Hill thinking, okay, I'm going to pass this off to Von. Um, and Vaughn thought he was going to cheat a little bit inside. And by then, you know, he wasn't really by them. That was a hell of a risk that Brissett took that he thought he was going to go right by him. And he did and threw the ball way out there. But I think there's a, there's to your point of, 
Dax Hill has minimal reps, zero at corner in the NFL, and Von Bell doesn't know to trust Dax Hill, et cetera. And I think you saw that on that one play, right? Well, did, did you see at the beginning of the play, too, Dax Hill was strapping in his mouthpiece and fooling around with his face mask when the ball was snapped. So he got a late release, wasn't ready for it. And then it looked like both of those guys thought that the play had kind of ended and slowed up for a second right at the end when, when Amari Cooper then ran past him and made that last effort to go lunge for the ball. I mean, they, Von Bell, I think kind of just got beat on the play and uh, then, then Dax Hill just wasn't even ready for it as soon as it started. So yeah, bad rep all the way around. Yeah, I just I, I do think to your point, I do think though you need to bring in another body, another veteran. You're probably not going to spend draft capital for a high guy. You may not even spend any dream. You may just go find somebody off the street just for a body's sake. I mean, can you get through the rest of this year with Eli Apple, Cam Taylor Britt, Mike Hilton obviously in the slot? I don't know. I, I I know you can get through some of this. I know you can certainly get through this next game and probably the Pittsburgh game and probably um, you know, the, the, the game after that against Tennessee with, with, you know, them probably just trying to ground and pound you, but man, that back end of the schedule with Josh Allen and Mahomes, um, you know, even Brady, you know, who knows, he, maybe he has a full healthy group of guys and the divorce is behind him and he gets his head out of his ass and, and he works well. Um, you know, I think you, you got to bring at least something in. I don't know if it's via trade. I don't know if I'm spending draft capital on that just because they treat draft capital as gold. But you can't – I don't think you can stand back, Pat, and say, listen, I'm going to bring up our sixth practice squad corner and make him our fourth corner today. I don't think that works in this league. Well, you know who this puts a lot of pressure on? Zach Taylor. Yeah. Because you can no longer rely on this defense to pitch shutouts in the second no, half of every get, game. Yeah, you will get DJ Reader back, which will you know hopefully help in the run game, which then can make a team a little more one-dimensional at times, right? That you get them in third and sevens instead of third and twos. Sure, but the defense has been bailing the offense out yes, for most right. of the year to this no, point and right. been bailing his play calling out more specifically to this point. I think you're going to have to start driving the Ferrari that Joe Burrow is more like a Ferrari the rest of the year because you're not going to be able to rely on that defense against some of the teams that you're playing on the back half of the schedule. Problem is that for, that, that Ferrari has a has a mechanic shop in front of him that's trying to get him beat up and, and, and wrecked. I mean, that, that's the problem. Yeah, well, he is he isn't driving on on the best tires. That is correct. No, 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 he's not. Um, yeah, disappointing all the way around. Um, the injury certainly, I think, as much as anything else, the loss obviously a, a big, big thing. But like I said, from a silver lining standpoint, you got a chance to be exactly where we were at the bye week last year. You hold tiebreakers in the wild card over over Miami and the Jets, um, and, and those are the two teams right now. Uh, the Chargers are four and three too. Those are those two are five and three. Um, that's going to help, I think, down the road. But the injuries, I think, are the biggest thing you come out of tonight. As much as tonight's performance sucked, I think you can fix some of this tonight. You just some in this league, you know, how it, it's just occasionally there's a one-off. It happens. You know what? Yep. It is what it is. The injuries, though, are much, much bigger, especially to Ouzier. Yeah, uh, and that was exactly I mean, the lost, way I looked at it. You lost in back-to-back weeks. If I were to give you, Rick, the, the three players on this team, and you can disagree with this part of it, but I already tell you, other than Joe Burrow, the three most important players on this team in order are Jamar Chase, Jadobia Wuzier, DJ Reader. Agree or disagree? I I would say those three, and maybe the only argument I would make is that Hendrickson could replace Reader, and he's been banged up too. Right. No, right. Right. So, yeah, you play without three of those guys for a chunk of tonight, and that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. Good part is you get one of them back, and you'll eventually hopefully get the second one back, and hopefully the news on Cheeto's better, but it sure does not sound like it. 
yeah, it's hard not to be discouraged after a loss like that. But I just keep going back to you lost 41-16 to the Browns last year. Yep. Same time. You go in the bye week, you win six of your next eight, and you make the run that you did. This team is capable of doing it. It's just going to be a lot harder without Awuzie back there. And, you know, they had a lot of good luck with the injuries last yep. year. This year, that that is catching up to them. And, and it was only a matter of time in terms of the percentages in the NFL. No question. All right, Rick, anything else? That's all I got. All right, we'll be back on Thursday with our normal Potpourri podcast. The college basketball season is less than a week away as you're listening to this, believe it or not. We'll talk some college basketball. I don't even want to talk about the gambling segment. I, I'm not, I think I won <laughs> one game, and it was a, I think I covered Ohio State over. Oh, the, the, the Ohio State actual points. Oh, when they came back, it was a cover. disaster. Yeah, when they came back to cover and then blew the cover. And at the same time, I'm simultaneously watching in another game, West Virginia give up a cover on a late, just lob touchdown that a team was throwing on fourth and three just to throw the ball away. And they I had the under in that game, and that play cost me the under. We'll commiserate on that on Thursday's Ooh. podcast. We got Bengals, obviously, to talk about. Uh, probably more obviously details on the Chidobi Wujie injury and much, much more. So please join us. Of course, don't forget to send your questions into Rick. Hit, hit me up on the hashtag AskSkinnyAnything, um, and I will answer your questions on sports or any other topic that you so desire to ask, as we always have a good time with that topic. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Recap Edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage. <laughs>